Hello everyone, welcome back to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Friday, the 26th of December, 2008. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I just wanted to tell everybody thanks for uh, downloading, subscribing, and listening to the show. Uh, however you do it is uh, fine by me. I know some people go over to the website and just listen off of there. Um, but again, just thanks for listening. If you want to contact me, drop me an email. You can always do that at uh, firearmscafe at gmail.com. You can also go over to the forums at gunrightsradionetwork.com and leave me a message at uh, uh, on the forums. Now, you can do that a couple of different ways. You can just post on one of the threads, or if you want, there's a way where you can just send a personal message if you wanted to do it that way. Um, I hope everybody's Christmas went well. Mine was great, and uh hope everybody has a happy new year. And uh, before I get into the body of the show... Um, what I wanted to do is go ahead and uh, give a couple of shout outs to some of the guys that have written in. Um, I wanted to say thanks to Myron and to Rob. Um, I also wanted to say thanks to Jaron. Uh, Jaron had sent me an email saying that he had joined the NRA and he had done that in part because of uh, one of my shows. I think he had mentioned maybe show number three. And I can't tell you how good that made me feel. Um, to know that something that I may have said or have done maybe help somebody to become more involved and more active, it just it means a world to me. And it's really the purpose of this show is to try and get people more involved um, because we don't have a lot of support out there uh, for us politically. And especially in this upcoming political climate, we're just going to be fighting tooth and nail for every little thing, um, every crackpot, uh, ill-thought-out, um, oddball uh, legislation is going to start coming through. And uh, we need organizations like the NRA, Gun Owners of America, Second Amendment Foundation. We need those organizations in there going to bat for us. And the, the most effective way that those organizations, and especially the NRA, can go in is to say, you know, we used to have 3 million members and you guys, or, I, you know, and I think you hear the numbers, sometimes they'll say it's, you know, 3.5 million, sometimes they'll say it's 4. Uh, but the point is, when they would go in and they would say, look, we've got, you know, let's say 3.5 million members, and politicians would take notice. Um, if we can go in again and say we've got 6, 8, 10, 12, 25 million you know, uh, then they're really going to take notice. So uh, that's kind of my plug for the joining up the NRA and everything. Let's talk a little bit about what the show is going to be today. Normally, I'll kind of pick a topic and, and sort of give my opinion on that. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, what I had done, there was a show that I used to watch, my wife and I used to watch, called Inside the Actor's Studio. And what the host would do is a person would come on and he would do a one-on-one -on -one type interview with that person. 
Uh, and then at the very end of the show, he would ask that person um, just five questions. And so everyone that came on got asked those same five questions. And I always thought it was a really neat uh, thing to see how different people would respond to those same questions differently. And so I wanted to do something like that for the podcasters in the gun rights community and the Second Amendment community. So I sent out some questions and I'm going to do some of the responses that I got back. So far I've gotten responses back from Mark over at Gun Rights Advocate, um, from Ken at the Urban Shooter, uh, Mick McCart over at the Armed Citizen Podcast sent me in one, and then also Gail uh, had interviewed Chris Christian uh, from the Pro Arms Podcast, and she said they may be getting some more um, members of their podcast to answer the questions, and that would be great. I also know that the Gun Dudes, um, Tom and Stan and Carl and uh, Kelly, are going to have are going to send in a, a response to the questions as well. So um, the questions that I came up with, I had came up with five. And what they were is, I'll, I'll go ahead and read them off. Now, in most of the interviews, the, the uh, like Mick or Ken or Mark and stuff, they we they read off the question, but I'll go ahead and have them here uh, just so that you, you kind of know what they're going to be. And that way you can kind of think about them too um, before... Uh, I start playing the other stuff. So question number one, what was the first firearm that you fired? And what was the first firearm that you owned? And so that could be uh, one that you either bought or one that you received as a gift, but it would have been yours. Question number two is you've been dropped on an unexplored planet and you get to bring one rifle and one pistol and you get to have 150 rounds of ammo for each firearm. What do you choose and why? Question number three, if you could strike down one gun law and enact one gun law, what that and those would be nationwide, what would they be? Question number four, if you could have one dream firearm, so money's not going to be an object, what would it be? And finally, question number five, what does the Second Amendment mean to you personally? So those are some of the questions that I came up with, and um, what I'll do is, since I'm, I don't have uh, the gun dudes responses yet, I'll, I'll tack those on hopefully uh, to the end of the next show, but I did have a few responses, and so I wanted to go ahead and give them out. Now, this show is going to be a little bit longer. Um, the interview with uh, Chris uh, from Pro Arms was about probably 15 minutes. The interview that I did with Mark, he and I did a Skype thing is about another maybe 15 minutes or so. Um, the stuff that I got from uh, both Mick and from Ken, oh, they were only maybe about five, six minutes each. So probably the show today is going to be, oh, at least probably, I'd say right around like 45 minutes. Normally mine are a little bit shorter, so hopefully the extra length won't bother anybody. Uh, so what let's do is let's go ahead and get in. Um, the first interview we're going to hear... What we'll do is we'll do, um, since Mark is kind of the guy that's helped sort of start all this stuff, we'll give Mark um, sort of first dibs and we'll start off with his interview. Then we'll come back and we'll do uh, Mix and then we'll do uh, Gail and Chris and then we'll go ahead and do Ken. All right, guys, hope you guys enjoy and I'll be back at the end of the interviews and talk a little bit more with you. Uh, okay, question number one. What was the first firearm that you fired? 
It was a 22 Browning rifle, and I can't remember exactly how old I was, but I I don't even remember exactly whose rifle it was or anything. And I I don't I don't the only thing I remember about the rifle it was it was a fairly small rifle, and that it had a um, and the side of the stock is actually where it was like a tube fed, and in the side of the stock is actually where the rounds went in. And uh, that, that's about all I really remember about it is about as far as the first rifle that I shot. And then what was the um, the very first firearm that you owned? And so that could either be one that you bought yourself or, or one that you got as a gift. But uh, once you received it, it was yours. Um, that would actually be, a, it's a Remington 1100. Uh, it's a pre-1976 model. And that it doesn't have a fluted barrel or anything like that. It was uh, it was a rifle that I'm actually planning on doing a uh, a gun review on. In that because uh, just how I came about it. It was my it was my grandfather's gun. Um, I remember being a little boy down in uh, southern Indiana, down in the Maukee Town area, and that and that uh, it was just. Um, it was a rifle that I, re- I remember uh, quite a bit from, you know, my grandfather coming out of the woods when I was a little boy, squirrel hunting. I re- that's the first time I ever remember, you know, seeing dead squirrels and stuff like that, him walking out of the woods and having this thing. And it was early in the morning, I think. I wasn't even supposed to be outside, but he's out in the back behind the garage cleaning these squirrels. <clears throat> and he'd have this gun, and it was and down, in, down in the southern part there of Illinois. There's a lot of uh, clay. And to still today, there's like clay in the the uh, butt of that gun that I, I won't clean. I won't clean it just because I remember that. And that's yeah. where that's where he had it at. And uh, it actually when my grandfather passed away in 1976 in uh, January and um, the gun was then given to my uncle that passed away in 1987 when my son was just about a year old. And I remember traveling up to Detroit um, before my, my uncle passed away. And um, uh, there was some family problems at one point. And me and my sister lived with my aunt and my uncle for a while. So we became very close. And so me and my cousin were there. And my uncle only had two guns. He had a 22 Browning pistol that he had bought himself. And this a Remington 1100 that was his father's. And so... He, he allowed uh, his son to decide what gun he wanted, and then whatever gun he didn't want, um, I would get. And I was hoping the whole entire time that he would pick the pistol um, because I wanted the Remington 1100. I mean, it meant a lot to me. I was real close to my grandfather, and I, I, it was a real sentimental thing for me. Uh, and even at that time, I was just in my early 20s. And so that was something that I wanted. And uh, I was right. My, my cousin... Uh, was a couple of months younger than me. He wanted the pistol to him. That was the the better deal of it. So he got the pistol. I've got the rifle, and, or the shotgun, and uh, that's that's really the the first one that uh, that I owned as far as somebody giving it to me or something like that. On question number two, uh, you have been dropped on an unexplored planet, and you get to bring one rifle and one pistol with 150 rounds of ammunition for each one. What do you choose and why? Well, I would probably choose what I have uh, because I'd be most familiar with it. So uh, the gun that I carry every day is a SIG 239 and 40 Smith & Wesson. Uh, 
And so that would be the pistol I would bring. And I have a Rock River Arms AR-15, and I would definitely bring that. So uh, it's they're two guns that I'm familiar with. I'm, I'm very uh, intimately close as far as cleaning them and, and, and the operations of them. So if, you know, if I was in that sort of a circumstance, those, those would be the ones that I would bring. Question number three. If you could strike down one gun law and enact one gun law that would be nationwide, uh, what would they be? Well, the first part of the question, um, I guess, was kind of difficult in that, uh, you know, there's a lot of them out, a lot of gun laws out there that I don't like, but I guess I had to pick one of them. I would pick the Gun Control Act of 1968. Uh, the Gun Control Act of 1968, they call it the uh, GRCA 68. Uh, the code was um, Chapter 44, Title 18 of the U.S. Code, and that what it did is basically all the regulations, uh, the federal firearms licensing, and all the things that pertain to interstate transportation of firearms and stuff like that that we have now, uh, that was was put in place. Um, the way I look at it, it was put in place the, the year after I was born. Um, that's one of the laws that I would say it was... Uh, Probably we, we we personally, you and me and a, and a lot of the other guys that we know, never uh, knew anything different than what we have today. But when you start talking to some of the old timers about being able to, to buy firearms mail order, uh, about being able to buy a firearm in any state and, and bring it across state lines and things like that, um, I think those are one of the, the things that I would like to, that I think they really made a mistake on, um, you know, the but by doing what they did, um, it has controlled the firearms market in so much that, uh, you know, if, if you want to, you know, buy a handgun in another state or something like that, you can't do it. Uh, that's the kind of the problem we're having like right now in Washington, D.C., even though now it's been it's an individual right and they should be able to buy guns, but they really can't do that until, you know, they get some more dealers, you know, available and stuff like that. So. That would, you know, be definitely one of the ones, and it's it's been it's been a law that they've kind of piled onto. Um, you know, there's been additional laws made uh, after that that's kind of added onto onto that. Um, and this is where this is the law that um, says that uh, the importation you know, outside of our country of firearms have to have a sporting purpose. So the uh, uh, BATFE uh, uses that uh, law as their regulation as far as stopping the importation of firearms into the country. And so um, if we were able to repeal the Gun Control Act of 1968, I think uh, for the most part um, it would make a lot of things much easier for us uh, legal gun owners there are some parts of the law that you definitely want to keep in place. I mean, there's some things in there, you know, about uh, criminals and the mentally ill and things like that. Um, I don't think any, you know, rational um, gun rights advocate would, would want to repeal any of those type of things. But, uh, you know, definitely some of the other things that restrict, you know, us as, you know, gun-owning public that's uh, law-abiding. Yeah. Definitely, that would be the one law that I'd want to get rid of. Because I think if it if it never came about, we never would have seen the Brady Gun Control Act and other things like that that came on down, to, down the line. Okay, and then if you could uh, if you could enact one law, what would that be? 
if I could act, enact one law, it would be to uh, make all gun control laws illegal. Um, it would be, it, you know, it would be, it would be something that would be broad enough that, uh, you know, unless, you know, you're a criminal, there is no gun control. Um, I don't think there should be any control over what you or me have as citizens. I mean, um, any small arms we should be allowed to have, and and to me. That includes fully automatic weapons. Um, you know, they've never they've never banned. You know, um, fully automatic weapons are not banned. They're not. It's it's not something that they've ever. Um, and it, at the time they they passed that in 1934, it's not something that was said that the uh, you know this is against the Second Amendment. You can't have it. They knew that there was a Second Amendment and they couldn't do something like that. So what you have right now is basically a, a revenue stream. It's a taxation type thing, and that's how they've been able to do that. Um, so um, the stopping of the additional manufacturer, but they've really never banned the guns totally. So for myself, it would be, you know, uh, that and, you know, like a, a nationwide reciprocity. You know, that's, that's something that, that I definitely believe in. Question number four. If you could have one dream firearm, so money is not an object, uh, what would it be? One, this probably would be the most difficult of the um, of the questions because I I don't um, I don't have a dream firearm. Um, I think uh, my dream firearm would be anything that. Uh, that anybody else could have. I mean, it's, I don't think it's one, one individual thing. I think people's tastes change and, and things that they need, um, change over a period of time. So I think that, uh, you know, as far as putting my finger on one individual gun, as far as what I'd want to have, I mean, there's, uh, you know, like, like most gun owners, you see something and well, boy, I'd really like to have that. I'd really yeah. like to have this. I, I, I would, I would really, really like to have really nice, fancy, uh, tricked out 45, uh, something I've never really, really had is a really, really nice, fancy 45. But then, you know, I think about, boy, I'd really like to have a, a fully automatic, um, say like AR, uh, with a suppressor and, you know, that, but I couldn't, I couldn't narrow it down to one. I mean, there would be, um, you know, so many different things that, you know, could be possible, but if you would ask me on any given day, you know, it would change. So I don't think I really have a, a, a definitely one that, I mean, there's nothing in my mind at this moment that I would really be at the top of a, a Christmas list. And then finally, question number five, what does the Second Amendment mean to you personally? Well, kind of like exactly what the state of the show, it's, uh, it's not about guns, it's about freedom. Um, that's what it means. Uh, it, it's not about a firearm whatsoever. It's about the intention of the founding fathers, uh, their understanding of what they had gone through, what past history had shown. And because I'm a history buff and I, I really enjoy uh, not only reading about history and things like that, and um, you know, most definitely my bookshelf is overflowing with books uh, on the Second Amendment of, you know, modern and old uh, texts. Uh, I like to collect antique books. Um, I like to collect any new books. I like to get signatures from authors. And that 
the the Second Amendment, unlike a lot of made-up freedoms that people you know want to recite in our country, um, the Second Amendment is actually there. It's actually written there. Uh, it was something from the beginning. It's not something that's been added later. Not saying that something that's been added later through the process um, isn't less important, but these were things that uh, the the founding fathers believed in, and this is something that um, politicians should not be able to just try to uh, regulate out. Uh, you know what we have is a system of amending a constitution, amending the Bill of Rights. And if you don't follow the process of doing that, then they shouldn't be allowed to do it. And for me personally, um, it's as you know, was stated in, in a lot of NRA literature, it's America's first freedom. It's something that uh, without uh, the Second Amendment, um, all other freedoms are null and void. Uh, if there's no way that we can protect ourselves. And a lot of people maybe think you're radical in saying, but it's to protect not really personally, I and mean, we want to say this a lot about, you know, you know, personal protection, but it's, it's not about personal protection. It's, it's about you protecting yourself against the government. And, and today, a lot of people consider that a very radical, outrageous statement, but that's exactly what our founding fathers did, and that's exactly what they wanted to keep us um, in that same situation so that if we ever had to overthrow the government, um, we would have the means of doing so. That was Mark Vandenberg with the Gun Rights Advocates podcast. Thanks, Mark, for doing that interview for us. And we'll go ahead and next on the, on the show will be Mick McCart, and he's the host of the Armed Citizens podcast. Take her away, Mick. Hi, Tony. It's Mick McCart from the Armed Citizen podcast. Uh, this is my reply to the questions that you wrote out and that you wanted us to submit for your show. So um, I'll go over them one at a time. Hopefully you get the answers you want. <laughs> okay, you ready? Um, question number one. What was the first firearm that you fired, and what was the first firearm that you owned? Okay, well, my first firearm that I ever owned was a Bolt Action 22. My dad got it for me on my seventh birthday. Um, and because he wanted me to learn how to fire at an early age, fire a gun, so he made sure he got me a rifle, not a pistol. That way, it was much harder for me to goof things up and hurt myself, or you know. And that's why he got me the single shot uh, bolt action because um, that way, you know, in case I was being stupid, I wouldn't, you know, it was less chance of me harming anything too much. And he really watched over me to make sure that I, I wasn't doing anything wrong and. Um, he was very, very much in control, making sure that I learned the safety of the gun. And the the, the things that we did is uh, basically he took me out uh, target shooting. But one of the fun things he did to make sure I stayed interested in it um, was he went out and bought bags of army men and uh, set them up. We'd set them up at a distance, you know. And uh, we'd take shots at him, you know, and he made it into a little game of playing army. So that was kind of cool, and it was fun, you know, and it, it made me want to, you know, hey, you know, this is cool. And it, it made it a game, so I learned safety, but it was a fun way to learn. Question number two, you've been dropped on an unexplored planet. 
and you get to bring one rifle and one pistol with 150 rounds of ammo for each. What would you choose and why? Well, you know, I'm a, I am love my SKS, so of course I'm going to bring that. You know, i got to have my SKS with me. Uh, they're reliable. They drop them in the dirt, you know, pick them up, shoot them again. They're just... Uh, so I think in that situation where, you know, I don't know if I'd have a cleaning kit there or whatever, but I can know, I know we can be rough and tumble with them, so definitely my SKS. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of my Glock 45, my uh, Glock 21, so uh, I think that'd be the pistol I'd take. Um, I like my buddy's 1911, but I don't own it, so uh, <laughs> I don't know if he'd uh, let me take it on a trip to another planet or not without coming after me, so... <laughs> That'd be definitely there, but the one necessity I'd definitely bring to that planet is a picture of Rosie O'Donnell, because if there's uh, some creature too big enough, too big to stop, you know, if SKS don't bring it down, or a forty-five with hollow point, uh, a picture of Rosie'd do it, you know, that'd, oh, that'd stop a moose, and I think it has, so. <laughs> I mean, have you seen pictures of your girlfriend? Question number three is, if you could strike down one gun law and enact one gun law that would be a nationwide thing, what would they be? Well, the first thing I'd get rid of is registration. I've always hated registration, and I think it's, uh, I just think it's so anti-freedom. If it is your freedom, why are we registering for it? I, I don't understand that. If it's your right, it, it's not a privilege to own a gun. It's it's your right to defend yourself. Once they start putting regulations on your ability to defend yourself, then um, yeah, they they own you. That's what it is. So uh, and the thing that I would require is uh, gun safety training in the schools. You know all these. Uh, People say they want to uh, make safety for the children. Oh, we got to protect the children. But yet they won't give them gun safety classes in school. Even if you're against guns, why wouldn't you do that? Just so the people who uh, are around guns, who weren't raised with them, can make sure that nothing bad happens. I don't understand that. They think by, by training people that it's pro-gun. No, it's pro-safety, okay? what No matter what side of the fence you're on. Hey, do safety training, okay? Okay, question four is if you could have one dream firearm, so money is not an object, what would it be? Uh, this is into the, into the fantastical, but I would love a 12-gauge pump with a silencer. <laughs> that would be so cool. All right, question five. What does the Second Amendment mean to you personally? Well, it, it means... Uh, my freedom, of course, um, but I, I truly believe that freedom comes from the Lord, but uh, the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment helps keep it in check, you know, um, the Lord gave, put us here on this earth, he gave us a choice to do things on our own, so we could have the freedom to do so, and make decisions, but you know what, there's a lot of people who make bad decisions, um, and he also made sure that we knew that it was okay to make choices to defend ourselves for the good, for justice, and for freedom. And I think a lot of this country was founded on uh, that, just being uh, free to make choices and defend ourselves against bad choices. So that, that's my opinion on that. And uh, thanks, Tony, and uh, talk to you soon. Bye. 
Hey, thanks a lot, Mick. I really appreciate that. Next on the show, we're going to have uh, Gail, and she is interviewing Chris Christian. Hi, this is Gail from the Pro Arms Podcast, and I have Chris Christian from the Pro Arms Podcast, and we're going to do a little guest interview for Tony at the Firearms Cafe. Chris, Tony sent us a list of questions to ask. Yeah, I got them, yeah. Okay. Right here in front of me. So, what was the first firearm that you ever fired? And what was the first fire, firearm that you owned? Well, contrary to popular opinion, the first firearm that I ever fired was not a military-issue brown best musket. <laughs> uh, That's a surprise. Actually, it was, actually it was a BB gun, but uh-huh. I don't know if that counts. Does that count? I don't know. How about the first real gun? Uh, well, there was an intermediate step. I'm not sure how far I want to go into it, but the first gun that I ever fired that was propelled by gunpowder uh-huh. uh, was a homemade affair involving a piece of 22 uh, car antenna uh, chambered. It was a single shot. Chambered 22 short, long or long rifle. Uh, involved tubing and a bolt and a hand-carved stock. Reliability was pretty good, but accuracy left a great deal to be <laughs> desired. How about uh, the first firearm made by a manufacturer that you ever uh, shot? Okay. At the age of 16, okay. I took my paper route money, and I purchased a Ruger single-six convertible, 22 caliber, 22 magnum, single-action pistol. And that was in 1966. That was before the 68 Gun Control Act, uh, when the government really didn't care if a kid bought a gun as long as he didn't do anything stupid with it. I managed not to do. Well, that, that's good. And where did you buy that? Uh, I bought it at a gun shop. Okay. I mean, I actually went down to a gun. 16 years old, I had a paper route. Might have been 15. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. How long, I'm not going to discuss. Statute of limitations is run on the... Uh, <laughs> on the zip gun, so I'm good for that. Okay. Uh, I actually taught myself the fundamentals of handgun shooting with that gun. Nobody else in my family shot. Uh-huh. Uh, my whole family was, oh, you want a gun? Ew, ew, ew. Uh, the fact that I was living in Marin County, California at the time might have something to do with uh, it. Maybe just a little bit. Yeah, it could have been, except right across the street was this great big large farm, and he didn't care if I went over there and whacked the ground squirrels and the uh, jackrabbits. And I could afford practice ammo in twenty two, and every now and then I could afford a box of the Magnum stuff, which is what I terrorized the local varmint population with. Mm-hmm. But I taught myself that, you know, a lot of magazines, gun magazines, uh, articles by Ray Chapman, Jeff Cooper, mm-hmm. um, like that. that and that pistol and that inexpensive 22 ammo basically taught me the fundamentals of shooting a handgun and uh, made off big when I got in the military a couple years later. So that was my first gun and actually wouldn't be a bad first gun for anybody today. No, it's, it sounds like it. It's surprising that you learned from reading in the gun magazines and you ended up being a gun writer yourself. Yeah, it's funny how that works. Uh, but I did learn grip, stance, mm-hmm. trigger control, sight picture uh, with that gun. I learned enough that when I got in the military and actually got some real instruction that I picked it up fairly quickly and went on to become a military instructor myself. So, 
I don't know if everybody that know, listens to our podcast knows that, that you were a military instructor for a number of years. Oh, yeah. I spent 10 years in the military. I, I actually hid out from the world for between 1968 and 1978. I was hiding out from the world incognito, just another guy in a blue suit. <laughs> Those are probably but, good. But dungarees, yeah. <laughs> were you hiding from what, disco? Oh, no. I, 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 I just go to drink the beer, Okay. <laughs> Okay. Okay. All right. How about yeah, question? You, you started it. I know. I'm sorry. All I put right. it there. How about question two? You've been dropped. Now that is a really interesting one. Okay. Well, the question two is: you have been dropped on an unexplored planet, and you get to bring one rifle and one pistol with 150 rounds of ammo for each. What do you choose, and why? The reason that's an interesting question is the one word in there: unexplored. Okay. I have no idea whether I'm walking into Jurassic Park or whether I'm going to take a stroll through a rerun of The Muppet Show. Okay? You've got okay. no idea what you're going to come across. Personal defense is obviously concerned, but you may also have to feed yourself with that gun for a while. And you only get 150 rounds of ammo for each. For each, right. So, my choice for the rifle would be a Springfield Armory M1A 308 caliber gun, a basic standard gun. I don't want match. I don't want a match chamber. I want a basic standard 308 caliber gun. I'd like to have a synthetic stock on it, but uh, simply because I don't know what the climate's going to be like. But I could live with wood. I don't want any optics. I want plain old military issue type sights, and one minute of angle sights would be fine. Uh, and for my load, I want the same 7.62 NATO, which is 308. Mm-hmm. Black tip armor piercing ammunition that we use to routinely load into our M60s and miniguns in Vietnam. Okay. And the reason for that is if it's a Jurassic Park situation, right. you have got large critters. There's no point in shooting them in the body. The body's just too large. I've done a lot of hunting. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to bust brain or spine. The 308 armor-piercing round does have the penetrating power to do that. Uh, it's an interesting side note. Uh, there used to be an elephant hunter, professional ivory hunter in Africa by the name of Bell. I don't remember whether it's w, W.M. Bell, W.D. Bell, William Bell, or whatever, but his name was Bell. He killed tons of elephants with a 7-millimeter Mauser rifle firing standard military 175-grain round-nose full-metal jacket ammunition at about 2,400 feet per second. The reason he did that was he understood anatomy. He knew where to place the bullet. And regardless of what you're carrying, even a 50-caliber Browning rifle, you run into a big dinosaur type of critter, you're wasting your time to shoot him in the body. He won't realize he's been shot in the body until after he's eaten you. Mm. you got to bust brain or spine. That's the same with trying to stop any animal that's attacking you. You've pretty much got to bust brain or spine. Two-legged or four-legged, huh? Uh, well, two-legged's a little different. But the nice thing about that 308, you got a 150-grain bullet coming out of that barrel at 2,700 feet per second. It doesn't make any difference whether it expands if you have to shoot a two-legged type of person. 
Okay, but we're on an unexplored planet. I'm sorry, I got us off the topic. Yeah, we're on an unexplored planet. That's right. We don't know what's there. That's right. We don't know whether I'm going to run into a Tyrannosaurus Rex or, or a Muppet. But the 308 armor-piercing rounds will give me the ability to deal with either. And when it comes to shooting critters for dinner, it's not a round I'd recommend hunting with. But if I take a point shoulder shot, spine shot, brain shot, I'll drop a deer or a hog or whatever just fine with that. Got no problem. Okay. Plus, I've also got rapid-fire capability up to the 20-round capacity of the magazine. To me, that's just the best choice to deal with whatever I might run across without knowing what I'm going to run across. And that would be the rifle. Okay, what about your pistol? pistol will be a Glock 20 with iron sights, 10 millimeter, and all 150 rounds would be Hornady's 200 grain uh, XTP hollow point. The reason for that is 15 rounds, not recoil is totally controllable, mm-hmm. penetration just about equal to a 240 grain 44 magnum load. So I can harvest game with that, I can defend myself with that. To me, that would be the best choice. If I knew a little bit more about this planet, I might make different choices. Well, I think that's why Tony designed the question that way. Yeah, and I think it's an excellent question. If you have no idea what you're going to face, but realize you have to be prepared for anything, then you actually do have to give some thought. Mm -hmm. I'm sure some other people may have different ideas, maybe a small gun for foraging. Uh, I can forage quite well with that 308 or with that 10 millimeter. Mm -hmm. I may have you may have to pick up a piece of the rabbit here and a piece of the rabbit there, but what the hell? It will be interesting to see the other people's answers to the same questions. Well, I, the first thing regarding the gun, if you're not alive to use it, your choice is meaningless. Mm-hmm. So my choices on the rifle and the handgun were two that I felt would give me the best chance of staying alive long enough to use them. Okay. And those are my choices. You ready for question three? Oh, why not? Yes. If I could strike down one gun law and enact one gun law that would be nationwide, what would they be? Okay. The law that I would strike down would be every state and local concealed carry permit law that used the term may issue as the operative clause. Okay. I would strike every one of those down. I would enact and replace them with a law that would use the term shall issue. So, right, so it would be national shall issue, one concealed carry, just like one driver's license is good exactly. everywhere. And I, Yeah, and, and, and if it was on a national level, then it would be reciprocal. My driver's license is good in every state in the United States. My concealed carry permit is not. There are some states that have a may issue, which is discretionary, discretionary, on the part of whatever bureaucrat is doing the issuing. Right. The shall issue provision means if you meet the requirements, you shall be issued. Okay. And those, I would strike down all the may issue, and I would replace it with a shall issue. And even in Illinois and Wisconsin? Anywhere. Okay. Well, why, why, why should I be uh, unable? I'm, yeah. Why I'm I, just I, saying I, they have no concealed carry right now. I know. So... That would cover all 50 states equally. Oh, a, a national shell issue with full reciprocity, but I would also strike down all of the local May issue uh, laws because they're just political favors. Oh, well, you know about political favors. I mean, you're from Chicago, I right? do. I'm from Chicago. And, okay. Yeah. All right. 
This is this is a a fine time to be from Chicago. Yes, I know. With our bleep 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 governor. Yes. <laughs> I got to it. You know, I spent ten years in the Navy. Uh huh. I left the Navy. I talked just like he did. It actually took me a while to learn to revert to civilian speak. Now you've been around me quite a bit. Yes. You don't hear me. You don't hear me running off like Blagovich. Right. If you had known me when I got to the military in 1978, you would have thought I was worse. Okay. It took a while. I had to learn. And as you know well, that those words never leave my lips. Oh, of course not. <laughs> all right, never mind. Until <laughs> after the Jim Beam comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I wasn't going to go to the third drink, the potty mouth drink. Yeah, that's I wasn't going. That's yeah, I wasn't third. going there. That's but right. You brought it up. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, as they say, as they say in court of law, a question asked and answered. <laughs> Tony can cut that out if he likes. Yeah, whatever. Okay. How about question number four? Because we digress a lot, don't we? I know we do. Yeah, we do. If, all right. Well, question number four is: If you could have one dream firearm, and money is not an object, what would it be? My dream firearm would be whatever gun I have in my hand when I really need it, and I'm not being facetious there. I. To me, guns are tools. They accomplish mm-hmm. a task. Pick the right tool for the right task. Uh, whatever gun I have got in my hand when I really, truly need it is my dream firearm in the moment. I'm very pragmatic about guns. And that's my answer to the question. Okay. So we can't nail you down to just one, can we? No, not really. Uh, uh, okay. On the unexplored planet, I, I was allowed to pick two. Those are the two okay. I picked because I thought that they'd be the best choices. Okay. Another place, another choice. Okay. And that leads us to the last question. And that question is, what does the Second Amendment mean to you personally? What it means to me personally is that our founding fathers were far wiser in the ways of man than anybody ever gives them credit for. They understood the allure of power, that power can and sometimes does corrupt. And that's why they set up our government with three different branches, each wielding their own authority and each having a de facto veto power over the other. Those were set as checks and balances. Uh, To allow the citizens to exercise their checks and balances, they put the First Amendment in there. People commonly think the First Amendment is about freedom of speech and freedom of religion. But if you read it very carefully, it states the right to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Those are every bit as important as freedom of speech mm-hmm. and freedom of, of, of religion. Then they put the Second Amendment in there, and the reason they did that was to make sure the First Amendment stays viable. Second Amendment okay. is not about deer hunting. The Second Amendment okay. is about safeguarding the First and the other eight amendments that go with it. That's why the Second Amendment's there. That's what it means to me personally. That's a great answer, Chris. To me, you know, the Second Amendment has nothing to do with hunting. It's about keeping the First Amendment and the other eight amendments viable. That's it. Right. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Thanks very much, Gail and Chris. And they are from, again, the Pro Arms Podcast. Go ahead and give those guys a listen. Uh, next, and our final interview uh, today will be Ken Blanchard. And Ken is from the Urban Shooter Podcast. Take her away, Ken. Hey, Tony, trying to answer the question that you gave me. This is Ken Blanchard from the Urban Shooter Podcast. 
the first firearm that I fired and what was the first firearm that I owned the first firearm that I ever fired I believe was a 22 Marlin rifle and I got it for my ninth birthday and the first one that I bought I bought it second hand it was a Ruger Security 6 I think it had like an 8 inch barrel 357 and I bought it from a fellow marine in California and I used it for personal protection as my first gun if I had been dropped off on an unexplored planet and I got a chance to bring one rifle and one pistol with 150 rounds of ammo for each let's see on a class M planet and you know I'm a Trekkie right I'd probably have a revolver for self-defense. Something not ammo-reliant. Some hand cannon with rounds, 45 caliber or the equivalent, and a bolt-action rifle that I could use to hunt small game or keep 150 bad aliens away. But if I was on this planet, probably a Thompson Contender with a couple of different barrels and a Glock pistol. If I could strike down one gun law, and enact one gun law that would be nationwide, what would it be? Hmm. I'd probably try to undo the damage of Gun Control Act of 1968 and enact a gun law that makes it illegal to restrict the rights of law-abiding citizens from buying, owning, or having to report to the government or any entity for that purpose. If I could have one dream firearm where money was not the object, what would it be? I'd probably say a custom-made pistol that I designed. And I'm picturing something 10 millimeter semi-automatic pistol with laser lights, some giant surefire attachment with a video camera built into the gun. Don't know if all this makes any sense to you. But what does the Second Amendment mean to me personally? The Second Amendment to me is important because it guarantees me the right to defend all the other rights of the U.S. Constitution. To me, it's the talons of our bald eagle. It's comparative to the right that allowed me to vote a person of color, to be considered a person under the law of the U.S., to be free, to pursue happiness, and to guarantee my freedom. 308 years ago, my descendants were unable to own a firearm, unable to own property, and were considered property, animals less than human. In that time of institutionalized slavery, the gun symbolizes who was free and who was a slave. The Second Amendment to me is not about hunting, assault weapons, gun shows, or gun buybacks. It's an important addition to what makes our country great. It's an emblem of America's freedom that no other country can boast about and few understand. If you have never been free, you can only imagine what it feels like to be master of yourself. If you have never been free, you can only imagine what it feels like to take responsibility for your own life. If you have never been free, you don't understand that the price of that freedom is eternal vigilance. Freedom 
isn't free. Some joker, some elitist, some politician, some person that thinks they are smarter than you believes that in today's society we no longer need to think about freedom. I know different. I have seen the evil that men do. I have seen what happens when the rights of a person is taken away. I have seen what happens when the government or rich private parties can buy an army and take away what you have. We haven't evolved to a point where there is no greed, no war, or no crime. Free people have to stay awake to stay free. That's what the Second Amendment means to me. Freedom. I love it. And it is uniquely, unequivocally, unapologetically American. Don't know if that's what you're looking for. But that's just how I feel. Hey, Tony, thanks, man, for asking me to do this. I hope it works out well for you, and I hope the quality is okay. Um, I can definitely tell I'm winding down, so hopefully I didn't sound too tired for you. And if you have any questions or want me to do it again for better, just let me know, man. Willing to help you out. And I really appreciate you, man. I wish um, you and your family have a very, very Merry Christmas. And uh, thanks, man, for your support and just being my friend. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Peace. Hey, Ken, thanks a lot for doing that. I really appreciate it. And, of course, that was Ken from the Urban Shooter Podcast. Well, it looks like we're going to make it a little bit past that 45-minute mark. Um, This is one of my longer shows. Most of mine, of course, don't really go that long. I uh, am planning on having some more responses. I know that the gun dude said that they were going to go ahead and do a recording and send that out to me. And uh, those poor guys right now are just, I'm sure, getting beat to death with all the packages and everything that they have to deliver. Hopefully that will slow down for them. Um, if, when I get the responses and stuff, I'll go ahead and put those on and, and uh, put them up as I get them. I do find it uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, we have four different people, and we, of course we got four different responses to some of those questions, but also a lot of very similar things. Um, So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. Hope you guys had a very Merry Christmas, and I hope you guys have a a very good New Year. Stay safe and stay informed. And as always, we'll save a seat for you at our table at the Firearms Cafe. Goodbye, guys. Podsafe Audio. Check out Podsafe Audio for all your podcasting music needs. <laughs>